Welcome to the Restored and Remarried podcast with Gil and Brenda Stewart. Gil and Brenda are internationally known marriage experts who specialize in remarriage and the step family. The Stewarts offer valuable principles that can improve your relationship satisfaction with the love of your life. Here they are, coach and counselors, authors and speakers, Gil and Brenda Stewart. Welcome, everyone. We are so glad to have you today with us on Restored and Remarried. We are uh, always geared up to give you new tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. So, Brenda, are you tingling yet? I am almost. (laughs) I think I need more coffee. (laughs) More coffee. Yeah, well... Anyway, hey, today we are excited to have some special guests with us. So, uh, Brenda, can you tell me a little bit about who they are? So I'm excited today because we have Jess and Ryan Ronnie with us today, and they have a, a ministry called Jess Plus the Mess. They're on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and, and all over. And, and Jess wrote a book called Sunlight Burning at Midnight. It's a memoir of part of her journey. So we're going to have them share today. We're just Jess really Plus excited. the Mess, or Jess. Jess's mess, or what? Is, this is cool. I know. Yeah, but tell and us, they tell make us. sense of their mess. Yes, yes. So, uh, Jess and Ryan, tell us a little bit about who you are. What's what's your story? And, and then we've got a few questions for you. But just kind of give us a couple minutes of who you are, who you guys are. Um, Ryan and I met um, in 2010 after we had both lost our first spouses to cancer. And um, I blogged through my late husband's journey. Um, He had a three-year journey with brain cancer. And I kept up a blog online just to update the masses on on his condition. And Ryan also blogged through his late wife's cancer journey. And a few months after Jason, my late husband, passed away, a stranger commented on my blog and suggested that I check out this guy's blog. Um, he lived in Guymon, and I lived in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Guymon, Oklahoma. Guy, yep, Guymon, Oklahoma. And so um, I just left a little comment on his blog saying, hey, we've both gone through similar circumstances, and mm-hmm. um, if you ever want to reach out to have somebody to talk to, here's my email address. And kind of left it at that, like not thinking anything romantically at that point um and the next day he left a comment on my blog as a response which led to um an email the following day which led to numerous emails over uh the course of that week and i think we were talking on the phone with each other at the end of that week nervously 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 (laughs) right we're both a little unsure i think at that time and um yeah that led to uh, numerous phone calls over the next six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Before, Probably. Before Sounds we right. finally decided to meet in Savannah, Georgia for the first time. And the reason we met in a totally neutral state was because there were seven grieving children involved as well. He had three children and I had four. And the oldest out of the, the seven was seven years old. So... We didn't wow. want to introduce them to anything until we knew what was going on. And, you mm-hmm. know, obviously, having just lost our spouses a few months earlier and dealing with all of the kids, um, we probably weren't real sure what was going on 
ourselves at that point. <laughs> but um, so we met in December of 2010, and it was love at first sight. Wow. Right. Right. We were engaged maybe six weeks later. In February. How, I think. how long after? Uh, <laughs> it was fast. It was fast. We were engaged okay. in February, but she was still living in Michigan, and I was in Oklahoma. So we actually purchased a house in Michigan in April, mm-hmm. I believe, of 2011. Mm-hmm. And I moved my three kids uh, to Michigan. Wow. Then, now, how long were your first marriages? Uh, Ten years and 11 years. Yeah, mine was 11. Right in there. Wow. It's almost like your, your um, story mirrored each other, huh? Yeah, it did, very much so. And, you know, looking back, we did go really fast. Um, but when you know, you know. And we could have done some things differently for sure, like probably gotten some therapy would have been good. <laughs> um, <laughs> we ended up doing that later. <laughs> yeah, we and all need that other. at some yeah. point, huh? Well, right. I admire the point, too, about uh, that you met, you know, in a neutral place so as to kind of have the rendezvous. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you guys had already been through a process of grief. Uh, your children were still dealing with that. But, you know, talk to me a little bit about the pre, you know, because you're, you're dealing with, with uh, spouses over a period of time. You're bracing yourself because you know, unve- un- unfortunately, what is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to us a little bit about the grief that you, as spouses, uh, experienced and then h- how meeting one another actually helped you guys grieve together. <laughs> That's a tricky subject matter. Yeah, it is. Um, I I can speak to that a little bit. My process with cancer had been three years, so I had definitely um, gone through all of the stages of grief and had come to an acceptance by the time Jason passed away. Ryan's process was much faster, I believe like four months from diagnosis to death. Wow. They basically, he had a wife and they had a, a mother who was perfectly healthy and then, you know, passed away four months later. So our processes through all of that were very different. Um, I think that's probably why the lady that followed both of our blogs who connected us didn't really know either one of us, Um, but she just followed us randomly and connected us because Jess was so much further along in the grief process Mm. and had accepted it, and I was not. I wasn't handling it well at all. I didn't know how to move forward, and... My kids were grieving with me, and um, I was communicating with them, but at the same time, I didn't really know what to do next. And I I reached out to Jess because I saw her strength and how Mm. she had handled her grief at that stage, and I wanted what she had. She had had embraced life again, and I was unable to do that at the time. So I think we started out trying to talk through that together, but as it became more intimate I guess our relationship romantically involved yeah it it got harder because then we were talking about another love in our life as we were falling in love and then it became a little bit more good what 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 word could I use for that honey icky it was a little Um, icky it was questionable it was it was difficult to to hear and to talk about another love to someone that you really care about who wants to feel that with you. 
with those endorphins. And I think mm-hmm. seven years later, we can look back at it much more objectively. Um, but during that process, it was really confusing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know that I would suggest to anybody that you use this new person that you're dating to grieve with. I don't think it was the healthiest process for us. We and should have had well to said. I want to redirect to you real quick, Ryan, because, you know, from what you and Jess are saying is you have grief and gladness going on at the same time, and so your bodies physically, emotionally, spiritually are kind of like, what, what, what? Right. Uh, but if, oh, and if we you could say so in, in, you know, short bullet process. point thought, what did I do, what was good and what was bad that I did, as you share with other people? <clears throat> what was good and bad? I think we started off... Um, grieving with one another and I think that was healthy the the problem ensued when we started having feelings for one another and I think at that stage we probably should have said you know what let's let's seek out a grief counselor separately at this stage and allow our romance to build in a different way because it it was really intense um I remember that December we actually had that conversation and said we got to stop piling all of this grief on each other because it's not we're not helping one another even though it's helping to talk about it mm-hmm. it's not helping the other one to hear it because they're dealing with the same thing so I think in retrospect I think I would have found a therapist or a friend and shared all those things with that person or a professional and then I guess, let up a little bit on Jess, and I think the same for me, too. Even though both of us needed it, we weren't the one to dump it on. Yeah. Be gentle with your own heart rather than putting too much on the other. Yeah. Yeah. Jess, what would you say? Yeah, I would uh, totally agree with what Ryan said, even, um, as we were both dealing with our own individual uh, pain and then the, the pain of our children as well. And then this new person that we were also falling in love with, dumping more, you know, pain. It was it was almost just too much to bear at that point. Um, and I, part of that, too, is, you know, we were so transparent with one another. We shared everything, the good, the bad, all of it in our marriages, um, so there started to almost be a little bit of a comparison game there, too, I think, where I was concerned, um, which is an interesting thing to go through when everybody else in the world has sainted this former person, but you, as this new confidant, know all the ins and outs of this person. So. I think what I would say seven years later is some of that stuff just needs to be stored away in your heart for your own, um, it, you know, your own satisfaction and your own smiles as you remember those memories. But right. your new spouse doesn't need to be taken into every secret crevice mm-hmm. of your soul. You know, you mm-hmm. can have some of those memories just for you. Um, and you don't necessarily need to share it all. Right, right. That's good. How have, um, once you guys got married and you blended um, all the kids, how how do you feel the kids fared with the whole grieving and accepting a new family, and what, what was that journey like for you guys? I think it was, uh, it went 
it went way better than expected, mm-hmm. I would say. I think the kids were just craving something new anyway because they had had a loss. I think it was probably more difficult for my kids moving from Oklahoma to Michigan because it was a move away from family and friends mm-hmm. into this new environment. Jess was, was able to stay in her same environment, at least similar. We, we did move. She did move out of her house when we got married in April, and we moved into our new house together. Um, and the kids, I don't know, they had a few bumps along the way, but I think it helped that they could talk to each other about their own grief. I think they sailed through the grief process, most of them. I think partially because they had all dealt with a similar situation. Uh, they yeah. all lost somebody, and they could just talk to each other. And they don't talk the way we talk. Kids just mm-hmm. talk about how they felt, and they have no qualms and no judgment with each other. They just say, yeah, this is what my mom did, this is what my dad did, and they could share that together. I would offer a little bit of a different perspective. I think they seemed to sail through the grief process when they were younger because they were all so young. But I think now we are actually seeing layers of that grief um, um, manifest manifest as they're getting older, um, wondering who this parent was and what were their personality traits and do I resemble him or her in anything. And... um, yeah, when they were younger, I think it was just like, yay, it's a new family, and let's all go have fun together, and now I have a new mom or a new dad, and everything's good again. Um, yeah, it's a little different now. Well, and we have found, too, even with our kids, you know, even though there was a divorce that impacted them, that especially my youngest was only, you know, 10 or 11 when all this went down, and it wasn't until he was 20 that uh, he approached us again because of some assignment he was doing in school where he had to kind of trace his family. And he had to ask the tough questions, okay, now what happened again and how did this go down? And it, for us, it felt like, you know, ripping off the scab again and exposing that wound. It's like, oh, my gosh, but yet it, it was new for him. It was, And we had to revisit it to help him in his healing. So I think age-appropriately, you know, through every, you know, big event, high school graduation, you know, weddings, grandparenting and all that, I think it's something that's just going to be a part of your life. And if you can continue to approach it, it sounds like you are by, you know, talking about it. And uh, it almost sounds like, and we wrote a little bit about this in our book, that the, the um, spouse that had passed away is still kind of like a phantom. You had kind of said uh, saint or sainted, yes. So, are you still, how do you guys handle that whole phantom uh, in your family now? Well, what we decided works for us, and I don't know, this might be a little controversial, but um, is they, they will always be, you know, a mom or a dad to these children. We recognize that. We, we call them mom or dad in heaven. You know, their mom in heaven mm-hmm. or their dad in heaven. Um, but bringing them into our marriage hasn't been very healthy for either one of us. So in terms of um, our grieving process with that former spouse, we've found it more beneficial to seek out other people who actually knew them if we need to talk about it or seek out a therapist if we need to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, Because Ryan doesn't want to sit and listen to endless conversations about a man, one he didn't know, 
and two, a man that I was previously married to. Um, it's different, you know, if you throw out like a little thing here or there, but the, mm-hmm. the actual grieving process, I think, needs to be um, involved with people who actually knew him and can understand what I'm even talking about or a professional. Yeah, I noticed, too, though, that when our conversations were steered toward the kids about mom or dad, it didn't bother me, and I I don't think it bothered Jess either. It got difficult when it became wife and husband. Mm -hmm. The insecurities come Mm. out or the comparisons come out. But with mom or dad, it's just, it's a different situation there. It's just, yeah, yeah, that was your mom or your dad in heaven. Or that was your mom or your dad, and now they're, they're in heaven. So it's different for some reason. So what I hear you guys saying is that there's a fine balancing act for the mm-hmm. marriage, for the children, and for the former spouses to either be honored or not sainted. Right. <laughs> that is admirable and uh, an incredible balancing act that you do for the sake of the marriage. Um, well, so can I say something about that, too? Jump in, yeah. Um, we decided... I don't know, a year or two into our marriage, too. The Bible says the two shall become one. And that's what we've taken forward in our marriage. It's Ryan and myself, not, you know, me and Ryan, Casey and Jason. It's, mm-hmm. This is a marriage between two, two hearts, not um, everybody else who was involved. And um, when somebody passes away, it's, you know, till death do you part. So they're not a part of your marriage anymore. Um, right. You always have those memories, for sure. Um, and you honor those memories, you respect those memories, but they, they shouldn't come into your next marriage with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to allow that to happen. Wow, that that's really good advice as well as, as I suppose the next question I would have you guys just, again, this is tough, <laughs> but the ability to uh, not be fearful to to speak up and say stuff about the past but to say the past is the past and now the present what are we doing about the marriage and how do the kids now accept us as the new parents how do you guys transverse that (laughs) it's it's complicated uh every day marriage is hard anyway i think when you have all of these other factors it gets a little more challenging, but each day we face differently. I think our kids understand they can talk freely about mom or dad in heaven. They talk freely about us. We're mom and dad to them now. Um, thinking about we've been married now for seven years. The oldest was seven, so we have now been their parents at least as long as their uh, birth parents before. So mm, yeah. They understand that, and I think I think they've accepted it um, better than than we have. I think we struggle with it more um, at this stage in our marriage. I don't know. Does it even come up that often, honey? What? Just uh, late mom and dad. No, we recently like sat down with each of our sets of biological kids, and even. Um, brought out all the photo albums and memorabilia and we thought we were doing this like really good parenting move (laughs) that was going to be deeply impactful in their lives and Ryan you know went to one room with his kids and I went to another room with my kids and 
let's look at the photo albums. And my oldest is like, oh, are we done yet? And oh, I said, yeah. do you have any questions or do you want to talk about anything? Mom, I can look at these whenever I want to. So it wasn't like nearly as meaningful as we had anticipated it might be. Now Ryan's girls, I think, got into it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Didn't they, did. They? they did a little bit, but honestly, if we're not being, if we're not holding back at all, it felt like division um, to separate biologicals, and we've we've strived our whole marriage to not do that, to try to be one family, and. You know, as I took my biologicals into one room and she took her biologicals into another room, it went against everything that we believe and the way we live is that was one life. But this is our new life. This is the life that we share together. And our kids accept that. We saw, you know, some things in a couple of our kids that we were concerned about that we thought were Mm grief-driven. I don't know that they were, but there's some identity crisis in one of them. And, you know... they probably all need therapy down the road. Um, but we were just we th- we thought we were doing that for them, and it just didn't work. But I think that's something that I would suggest to anyone: try it anyway. Try anything you have to to see if that works, and if it doesn't, scrap it. Go on to the next thing, and you just keep trying, and you keep communicating with one another, with your spouse. We talk about everything before we make decisions like that. Excellent. and say, this is what I see in one of our kids, whether it's biological or not, how do you think we should move forward? And yeah. we talk through it and say, why don't we try this? Okay, let's try that. And it, it failed, honestly. It really did fail, but we tried it, and now we can write that off and say, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> so let's move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, the Maybe most important get over it. point, Ryan, is I think you guys are working together as a team for all the kids. Yes. And, well, and I hope our well, kids can grow up, too, and say, Mom and Dad tried different strategies yeah, to help yeah, us work yeah. through our grief. Whether it worked or didn't work, you know, they didn't just ignore it. So, yeah, yeah, and the best gift you're giving them right now is they're seeing that you guys are working together. Yeah. We're unified. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Okay, okay, so as we land the plane here, um, wow, this we could talk to you guys for all day. <laughs> so as we land the plane and, and such... If you could give each of you, if you could give one pointer to someone in your situation, what would it be? Don't use the dating process as therapy. (laughs) (laughs) That's my biggest regret. Okay. All right. Ryan? One suggestion. I think time. Give it time. Try things because time does heal a lot of wounds. It heals a lot of grief and it brings you closer together. So just be patient with one another and knowing that it will get better. Yeah. Nice. And then finally, if people want to reach out to you and get in touch with you again, could you remind us how, how people can contact you? Yes, I am at justplusthemess.com. That's my website. Um, I'm on Facebook, Just Plus the Mess, Instagram, Just Plus the Mess, YouTube, Just Plus the Mess, <laughs> Pinterest, Just Plus the Mess. And if you want to get a hold of me, you just have to talk to my wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm you with have you to on call that on an right. And we'll have all this information in our show notes also. Um, and one other, uh, so you'd mentioned you have seven kids, but you really, do you have seven or eight? We have eight. We have eight, eight now. And tell us a little bit about number eight. 
She's asleep right now. Thank Thank goodness. (laughs) Well, that's good. I think I was thinking more about your special needs child. What's that? Your special needs child. Um, Lucas? Yeah. Talk about him. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know you have have something going on with him, too. We do. Um, Lucas is our 13-year-old. He's almost 14 this August. Um, Handicapped son. Uh, I was told in 2000, i got to think back here, 2004, when I was pregnant with him at a routine ultrasound appointment that he had suffered a stroke in utero and would never be born. And now he will be celebrating his 14th birthday. So he's wow. an absolute miracle, um, has surpassed every expectation ever put against his life or said about him and just continues to amaze us on a yearly basis. And um, it was always my dream to start a nonprofit uh, foundation or organization in his honor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that was going to look like. Um, and then we moved to rural Tennessee in 2013. And I just kind of put that idea on the back burner until recently when I just noticed a huge void out in our rural community for um, – like respite opportunities for caretakers of special needs children or uh, just resources for special needs families in general. So uh, a couple months ago, I just decided to go for it and started this um, nonprofit called The Lucas Project, and that's also um, thelucasproject.org, or we are on Facebook at The Lucas Project. Um, And we have our first fundraiser coming up this uh, May 26th. Memorial weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay, I wanted to make sure that information got out to our listeners, too, because we never know who's listening, and that's just just so appreciate your heart uh, all the way around you guys. You just are just rock stars in our book. Well, and (laughs) and living in the present, too, because this is the current marriage, and it is... Uh, it's a legacy that is blending, and, mm-hmm. and we really admire your guys' work. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And, Gil, how do we always sign off here? Oh, come on. I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> okay. If you ain't got the marriage, you ain't got nothing. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Gil and Brenda Stewart with the Restored and Remarried Podcast. If you enjoyed today's time together, share it with a friend. And be sure to sign up for Gil and Brenda's free newsletter, subscribe to upcoming podcasts, and learn where they're speaking. It's all on their website, restoredandremarried.com. Connect on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and hashtag restoredandremarried. Plus, they offer one-on-one couples coaching with amazing results. Join the Stewarts next time as they provide more tips, tools and tingles for your relationship remember if you ain't got the marriage you ain't got nothing